Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The best, the number one, greatest innovation the game has brought in, 4020. It's going to be a great start to the podcast. Well, yeah. It's almost borderline professional then, really. <laughs> Straight into welcome to the podcast. Yeah, we've never There's welcomed people. Chatting nonsense at the beginning. What? Well, yeah. It should be right. Miles Lawford has signed for Wakefield Trinity from Bradford Bulls. I mean, I've never heard of him. Dean Lawford's son? I think it is Dean's son, isn't it? I don't have no idea. No, no I don't. Just the surname and... I think it is. Alex Walker's extended at London Broncos. Everybody's putting out press releases at six o'clock. It's no good, isn't it? I mean, hopefully it's working now. And if it isn't, then I don't know what's going on. Welcome to the podcast. I've got to edit the start up again. Uh, it's, it's the state of rugby league debate because um, there's nothing it's finished rugby league's finished apart from the, you know, like winter league what do you mean finished today's announcement rugby league is finished <laughs> we've just had a press release from the rugby football league <laughs> that says that positive podcast again R- rugby, rugby league rugby league is dead <laughs> uh, it died this afternoon when uh, we started this podcast um, <laughs> if I was Sean Wynn I would be absolutely furious not because I'm Sean Wayne and I'm the England coach, but... Well, he's naturally furious. Yeah. That's his... <laughs> oh, he's never going to listen now. He has, for months, been mentioning that England are going to play Samoa. And he has been mentioning it for months, hasn't he? He has been saying in all of his press conferences and stuff. Well, we do say, if you say it often enough, it might happen. Yeah. They're going to say, Samoa are coming. And uh, Christian Wolf said, they're not. And Christian Wolf was right. <laughs> That probably would have been more sure of mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant. Yeah, and and, and then it starts from here. It, it spirals out. So so what is the what is the state of rugby league? What state are we in? What what's happening? Is it a good state? Is it a bad state? Is it better than probably people think? Because everyone's negative all the time. Well, who's going to start? I mean, like, how do you, <laughs> do you start? how do you even start? <laughs> when when you pose that on social media, and I and I think it's safe to say. There's been no pre-production meeting. None of us have any idea either what questions we're going to be asked or how we're going to respond to them. Two things struck me. One that's always been an issue with the sport and one that I think is an issue that we haven't yet come to terms with. 
the first is there's never enough money so we want to be something we can't be because we don't have the resource to enable us to do it so we, we like to compare ourselves with other sports but to do that you have to have a certain access to resource and we've never had it and the way we are currently structured we are never going to have it did we have it though in 1996 oh we've wasted a fair yeah, amount yeah that's what I mean oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 yes but not for long enough to make a difference yeah. and there was a scramble around that time. But, you know, you read the books about what was happening in Australia with the, the split competition that they had there. The amount of money that was wasted mm. just to sign players to contracts to make sure that teams could take the field. We, we squandered that opportunity. But where we are at the moment, we, we've got less money coming into the game in terms of broadcasting deals, which is the main finance driver. And that's always been the case. We've always wanted to be something we couldn't be because we couldn't fund it. So I don't think that's changed. We know better or worse in that respect. I think the other thing is, I, I think we've lost our identity a little bit. That it was very easy in times gone by to say, that's rugby league. That's what it stands for. We're on grandstand on a Saturday afternoon. The Queen Mother loves it. <laughs> it's northern industrial working class there's a picture of a pit here's rugby league and it's tough and uncompromising and we love watching these guys rolling around in the mud and I don't that's know an awful long time ago isn't it but but have but have we reconciled ourselves to the fact that that isn't our identity anymore but the sport changed post 96 and we had I thought a really successful era of what uh, in the early 2000s uh, that Bull Mania era um, getting the best players from the yeah, NRL to so play over you know, here like of Jamie Lyon playing over here and uh, for St Helens I, that's probably when Super League was at its best if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest and we've probably not kicked on from that I think we've probably gone backwards in some stages but it's like anything in life nothing's ever static and it, it has to constantly evolve and so it, it, it's very easy to probably hark back to a different time and say it was better then or it's worse now but things are just different um, the sport's clearly got to change and it's recognised that because ultimately it's brought in a, a long term strategic partner in IMG I think one of the frustrations that appears to be with IMG is there's a lack of voice from IMG mm-hmm. I'm not, we've got an idea what their plan is because they've published it but they don't really have a public voice do they? Well, we don't have a spokesperson. Who is the spokesperson for the sport? Yeah, and we haven't for a very long time. I, I, um, I think we knew who we were and where we stood, and what we offered, and the world got bigger, and we sort of stayed the same. And you look at sports that do have access to greater resource that have turned themselves into something that has an appeal beyond their traditional market. Do you, are you talking about UK rugby league here or rugby league in general? Because the NRL is certainly that's certainly grown, hasn't it? It and has, except it hasn't. Because again, at the time you're talking about the when league and union went professional, we had Australian teams in Adelaide and Perth, and mm. you know when the, when it came back together, we, we lost some mm. of that. So in terms of geographical reach I'm not sure the NRL is further along than necessarily it was you know their 17th team is within the midst of where their other 16th teams are I think they're looking at that now they can see that um, there is a finite amount of uh, growth that they can have if they Mm -hmm. just stick within that 
eastern corridor of Australia and a couple of big cities outside of it. So, so that I think their realization is changed. That's why the Pacific is so important to them at the moment. But now, have have we have we expanded? No, not not, not at all, either here or over there. Um, and if you're going to stay the same, then you run the risk because of the way the world is and how it's changed that you'll get left behind. Mm. Uh, I think we've still got a product that we can offer to anyone in the world that stands the, the, the true test of what, what a great sport is without having the necessary resource to do what the NFL do, what the NBA do. Um, we're always going to struggle, but I just think we've lost who we are. We, we, the, the towns and cities that founded us here with the industries that were behind them I, I just not it's not the backing isn't there anymore so how do you become something different and and the other thing I think that's, that that filters into that that you mentioned that time round about 95 when the Super League war happened was we went full time professional and I think again you can't decide at, at 95, 96 what that's going to look like now mm. And it has, in some respects, changed the game. It's changed the spectacle. It's changed the way teams prepare. It's changed the, um, I think, a lot of the nuances about the game in terms of positional play and and the the body shape of people that play the game. It's not just changed since 1996, by the way, because every few years, every period of five, six, seven years, you if you watch Super League five, six years oh. ago, it will look different to how it yeah. looks today. And some so of that is the rules. Yeah. But, but I think the people that play the game has changed. It's all, We're getting to the point where coaches are too good and teams are too athletic that they start to cancel each other out a little bit. Mm. And we and obviously, allied alongside that, is what do you do about the issue of greater concussion risk? And that comes out of being full-time and professional and the, 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 you know, the size of the collisions and the quantity of the collisions and the the constant changing of substitutes off the bench that never lessen those. You know, we, we used to, fatigue used to be quite a big part of yeah. playing rugby league. The big guys went out there in the first twenty minutes with their game. As they started to pull back from being on the front line, you know, the smaller, nippier people then said, "Right, it's my turn to yeah. to try." And, and all of that has sort of changed. And I, I'm not sure we've come to terms with what we need to do as a sport to still make ourselves as relevant as, as we need to be I, I, I love the product I think it's great I think we've got some um, uh, you know we've had some great games but I have a feeling the standards drop so we're, we're playing to a slightly lower common denominator um, and, and those are all issues whereby we're not saying the game's better or worse we're just saying it's different mm. yeah the style of, cha- of play has changed hasn't it you know it's far more structured these days and, and less off the cuff and personally I prefer the more off the cuff play the less structured play it's usually more entertaining and we've had a number of games this year having said that though that have been dramatic Mm -hmm. we've had you know golden point finishes but if you were to look back at the 80 minutes leading up to the golden point it probably wasn't the best game in terms of quality but nevertheless we still had a you know tremendous exciting finish to a game and you know Sports all about drama, isn't it? And well, emotion. Yeah, and I also think that the the other thing that we need to factor into that is characters, because mm. again, we talk about who are the players that represent. And you, you're absolutely right. We haven't got IMG or an administrator representing the sport or explaining to us where the sport sits in the firmament of other sports. But we're finding it harder and harder to make personalities of our stars because of, of the professional environment that they live in. We're almost wanting to knock that out of them a little bit so you look back and say oh well you know why isn't Tom Johnson a bigger star because 
he's not got quite the same ability to dominate the sport that an Ellery Hanley would have done 30 years ago which is why people still yeah. remember Ellery so I think mean, all of that is really important in how you how you present yourself as a modern day relevant sport and there are issues way beyond is it in a better or a worse place at the moment but I think it just sets a context for things that you talk about yeah speaking internationally I don't know how, how does what the current situation we've got compare to say you know back in in the 80s or whatever for example I mean I was only saying last week wasn't I that it was a great to hear and see at the end of the BBC programme last week that we've got this international programme that we're, <laughs> we know we're playing tomorrow next year we know we're going down under a plane the Aussies the year after and I, and, I, and I did say last week that's the current plan and things may change and yet we're here a week well less, it was less than a week later after I said that but we're here a week later talking about the fact that somehow we're not coming so uh, it's exasperating to be honest as a fan that's been you know uh, following the sport for so so long I mean you've followed it long, much longer than me so you've Thank probably you. got the <laughs> no I, I think in terms of the international game that's one of the huge successes there are more nations playing there are more players playing for a diverse number of nations and overall to now have a calendar from we thought 23 through to 30 and it was the pegs were nailed in mm. some of them are um, but obviously that Samoa one has, has fallen off which which might be disappointing but if you look at the amount of internationals that are being played it across four regions that, that's the most the sport has ever had mm. and, and we should celebrate that and and I think again if, if we believe the expressions of interest that have been shown for future events and World Cups there are more nations across the globe wanting to get involved in staging rugby league events the whole Las Vegas thing I think which we mention quite a lot now um, I think that's got great potential for the NRL in particular but the sport as a whole mm. in cracking new markets I, I I think that's one of the successes what, one of the reasons why we're at, we're a lot better now than perhaps we were you know three or four years ago I, 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 I genuinely think that Samoa is disappointing and a setback and says more about where the Northern Hemisphere is at the moment but the international game is starting and, and, and again the thing that I, I liked after watching the interviews with players who played in the Pacific Championships was there like they were after the World Cup asking for more opportunities mm. to play um, you know the, the quotes that we're getting from nations that are playing in Africa whether they're uh, you know men or women is, is incredibly positive mm. Um, about what it means to represent your country and how you spread the idea of rugby league is important in the continent of Africa. It, it's great what individual nations are doing. It's when they play each other mm. that it, you then start to get a, a, a bigger picture. So I, that is one of the successes. We're, we're far more advanced now. The corollary of that is that we're not seeing England play Australia in front of 70,000 people <laughs> at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, and, and some, of, some of the frustration on the international game probably comes back to you probably one of the first things he said is it's to do with money yeah in the I don't know the reasons why some are not coming I don't know whether they've said why they're not coming but if it was a huge commercial success over here the Tonga tour and Tonga were going back with you know uh, their pockets lined with gold one would imagine Samoa yeah. would be coming I think um, there's, there's two reasons one is that's exactly one of them that we probably can't give them the financial guarantees that they can get if they stay at home. Mm. The other thing is the Pacific Championship that they've just played in was such a success. Why would you want to leave home? 
So true, yeah. but if if the if the international game has anything about it, they should be saying to Samoa, "You're not you are not playing in this competition." Yeah, absolutely. You committed. You were committed to going to England, and, and our calendar said you were. Yeah, and if you don't want to go to England, don't go to England. But you're not playing as part of this tournament. Well, we've got six te- six nations lined up. Tonga are coming back. Yeah. There's no room for you. Yeah, um, but I, I I can't imagine a situation where that will happen. Well, that, that's maybe where, I'm wrong. That's whether the IRL have any teeth or not. Which well, is why the the um, formal announcement that Samoa weren't coming was made by Simon Johnson, who sits on the international board. Yeah. Going, right, don't you need to take that decision back to your international board? Well, I, I just it's always it's always been a mystery to me. You know, the, the the IRL is similar to I suppose the RFL over here in that it, it's the IRL is really operated by either the nations but really Super League and, and the NRL sort of dictate what happens you know with the sort of tier one uh, nations tier two nations and, and, and the structure of the competitions and that's again all, all about money I mean we were told way back in 2013 World Cup that you were sacrificing a lot of um, match fees from a match official's point of view for the good of the of the international sport did you have to go uh, economy class to uh well, you wouldn't well, have, well, have got a comedy class in 2013. I was lucky enough in 2000. I went. Did you have to travel, fly the plane. Well, I travelled under, <laughs> travelled down under in 2006 uh, for the Tri Nations, 2008 for the World Cup, and again in 2010 for the Four Nations. And on each occasion, it was business class. So I was very lucky. We then went in 2017. I went twice that year for a mid-season international and a World Cup at the end of that year, and we travelled economy. The, the the occasion when I travelled mid-season in 17 I, I think I've mentioned it before I'd refereed a game the night before at Hull on, on the TV on the Thursday on the flight the very next morning I was boarding the same flight with the England players all the England backroom staff were all going business class and I was the only one person <laughs> as an RFL employee travelling economy which Just I didn't think was right send a, cha- a champagne glass down no they definitely didn't but you know to, to have somebody like the England physio or the England team manager or England doctor or whatever travelling business class um, stuck in my throat a little bit but I got the opportunity nevertheless to travel out down under and referee and that's some of the things I was talking about last week about those opportunities unfortunately don't exist anymore and there were days in, the, in gone by where you know, I think Russell Smith and Richard Silverwood went down under and refereed Australia New Zealand uh, I think they've even had referees go down and referee the Origin games from the UK and th- th- those days seem to be almost gone really so when we talk about for the good of the international game, that's where it sticks in my throat a little bit. That the last World Cup, in my opinion, money was wasted. Uh, they spent far too much money on some things that they could have they could have um, cut back on, and still still players and officials and people involved would have had a good experience. Let's hope we've got a guest coming up in the next few weeks who can tell us about the World Cup. It'd be good that one. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, I, think, I think we're live on YouTube now. I don't know what went wrong, but... but... You know, listen to the well, podcast. If you, you thought that was just the two of yeah. us just <laughs> busking, you wouldn't have known. It was. I was saying about international. Oh, yeah, that's it. Because obviously the, the big thing is about the neutral referees. Why don't we have neutral referees? Blah, 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 blah. But I'm sure, because obviously I go through all these old programs that I stick up, there was a Great Britain New Zealand test in the early 80s which had an English referee. So, you know, it's, it's not it's, a new it's, phenomenon. It's all part no. of putting in um, enough courses for well, it's, it's great to see Ghanaian referees uh, starting to come through or um, well Aaron Moore I think travelled I think it was to Ghana last yeah, year yeah um, I think he did to, the MEA championship yeah. yeah to referee over there and whilst he would have been there he was doing he, he was doing yeah. some educational courses for you know the Ghanaians which is absolutely what the international rugby league should be about you know it's about Teams like York um, mm-hmm. travelled down under, didn't they? Um, sorry, travelled to Africa, Uganda, yeah. Uganda, and, and and it's initiatives like that that you know that's that that's what the international rugby league should well, be about. Fran- spreading France the game. France are going to Kenya. You'd hope that they take the ability to yeah. do some match official courses. Yeah. Here's some comments from Twitter. Ian says rugby league is stagnating. I do believe the game here is in uh, is now in the same position as 1982. Without the Lions and competitive Ashes series, we're only going to struggle. No easy answers, but IMG is a cul-de-sac. That's bloody French again. Uh, we have <laughs> to beg the Aussies to revive the international game to piggyback the domestic game onto. Well, they've revived the international game in, 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 in the Southern Hemisphere. But um... oh, Steve Mascot the other week was talking about, you know, was it the RFL's fault in a way by neglecting the home nations, neglecting France by, by not... Um supporting those nations to improve those nations to therefore give you um, a competition on your doorstep I don't know if that's easier said than done because um, those South Sea Islands have been playing rugby league for I, some time I think they? What, what we need to say if you look at it from a historical perspective is that in the 2000 World Cup we had a, a quarter final between England and Ireland and those two teams were very, very evenly matched. And it was predominantly Super League players in each team with a sprinkling of NRL players in the Ireland team. And at that point, we we could have made a decision. It's going back to, you were saying, that that was when Super League was probably at its peak. Mm. Um, that World Cup didn't end up being, well, very nearly bankrupted the yeah. game. But that quarter-final had something in it and a, and a level of interest where there were over 15,000 people there where you could have said, if we can keep the essence of what the Irish have got and build on that, we can keep... Um, th- we, we can start, perhaps, the idea of some form of regular international competition between the Wales that were strong. Starting to get weak, but 95, they've been really strong in that mm-hmm. World Cup. Ireland, France and England, and you could play... 
that repeat game between an England and Ireland team of that strength maybe in Dublin the following year we could have then started to build something so we're looking back 20 odd years saying oh what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere it's not like we didn't have the opportunity and then you would have had meaning to the to the art to uh, does, the lines, that, does that come back to the fact that though that they nearly bankrupted the sport in 2000 and actually there wasn't the resources there to pump into but those the, nations I don't know we didn't have a World Cup for 8 years did we the reason it nearly bankrupted though was because it was spread too thinly over too many venues mm. and, but what we had was a concept there that we could have looked at and said with everything else that's going on how do we regenerate our finances what was the success but the failure was we tried to play in too many places and it didn't work and we, we went to Ireland in the midweek and played the Maori and the you know, we started the World Cup, didn't we? In Ireland, the first game With, was in Ireland. Willie Coaching missing a goal kick. We it? didn't plan the tournament well, but we had mm. some elements within that tournament. We, you know, twenty years on, we could have had something. Made. You know, why, for example, and uh, you know, was is is Toby King and is Michael McAlorum picked for England when, if we were serious about developing Irish rugby league, they'd already played for Ireland. You know, Robbie Mulhern had already played for Ireland, but he's bought into the England team for so twenty three years on from we had a concept that we could have developed. England as the prime nation is still taking the best players from those other nations. Well, do we get what we deserve then? It's happened the reverse in, mm-hmm. in the southern hemisphere. You know, players like Jason Tamalolo have turned around to New Zealand and said, I want to play for the nation of my heritage and that's strengthened those nations. We've don't gone the other way. We we're still pulling those best players. And making them play for England, mm. um, so I think we have to take an element of responsibility for that. It's not our fault. Uh, Small round coming, says Phil. We can't afford to fly a couple of players business class or or gyms, uh, <laughs> so I'm guessing we don't have the money to tour the southern hemisphere. Is international footy dead over here? Well, I, I guess we should put the caveat on all these things by putting the word men's in front of this stuff, just just in case, and well, then we'll talk about the other stuff later. But I also think if the host nation is paying, then there's absolutely no question that Australia will pay for our, our guys to go out there business class in 2025. The problem we've got is this huge disparity between North and South, and, and that the, the more that the Pacific Championships and Pacific Bowl become lucrative, bearing in mind that five million Australian dollars of government money has gone on to into that tournament to start it off then we have to find ways of either going over there on a more regular basis or waiting for them to come over here you know, we know that, that they are coming here in 2027 we said that about Samoa last week. <laughs> next year. Well, but, we'll get Christian Wolf on the phone but can, can, can we hold on without that level of international competition over here I, I, I do think we are building something internationally. It's where where do we fit into all I think that's this? what's more even more frustrating, isn't it? That we talk, you know, I said last week about the calendar and this is the first we're almost at the first It's the second run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've had the first run because we've had this 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 last few weeks, but it's fallen at, at that sort of second hurdle. Um and who knows who's in who the opponents um that England will now face. <sighs> I mean, let's let's segue on to that. Now you brought it in, and now we'll come back to the comments in a moment. Then, so, so what happens next autumn? Then we'll, we'll be sat here in a year, no doubt, um, talking about whatever has happened. But what will happen? What what can happen? There's World Cup qualifiers to fit in somewhere, isn't it? Are, are, are they probably twenty five? I would think. Right, so we've got a bit of leeway. Then we could have. Didn't we talk about um, when Steve, was it? When Steve Massey was here the other week about um, there being. Is it in the Pacific Bowl 2 or whatever it is, the plate or something, where a team sits out each week or something? 
Well, they've got six nations that play and seven that are eligible, and the seventh nation was supposed to come here. Yeah. So Tonga will go back theoretically to replace Samoa, who were coming here. Now, whether we can get Fiji to come here, whether we can get PNG to come here, whether there'd be a sufficient draw for the RFL to make money on them coming here, that will be some of the debates and discussions that they're having at the moment. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, with the greatest respect to PNG, you would have to stage those games in three traditional northern towns and mm. try and get your ten to twelve to fifteen thousand fans. And would that be enough? Um, you, the days of getting seventy thousand at Wembley to play Australia over here at the moment have gone I think we've got to try and rekindle that by thing, things like and I think we mentioned this on, on here before getting a second state of origin game in London in three or four years time in the same way that the NFL have brought matches over to London and now Germany they're getting not mm. only huge crowds but they're getting great media interest they're getting loads of merchandise sales on the back of it it's very lucrative the, the that would sell out it's well, just whether they, you know would they come for a one off game well the fixture list that they've just brought out in the NRL today has now split up origin so it's not in consecutive weeks that there is a so that middle game is now a potential marketing tool now you wouldn't bring it here every year mm. and they wouldn't come here every year and there'd be no need for them you know, they, they need to go to Melbourne and they need to go to Adelaide and they need to go to Perth or wherever they decide strategic, you know, they, they, they might take one game to PNG who knows mm. but London should be part of the game strategy of using as many events as it can to rekindle interest in that international element and it's then what you put on around it can England play again but again, at the same time that would only come back it would all come back to money again well I think that money's there they're not going to do it for the good of rugby league no, in the but UK I, but, I, but I think Vegas will show them that they have unconquered markets that they can move into relatively quickly because the, the seeds are already sown in those markets if, if you were to announce now that in 2025 or 2027 State of Origin 2 was going to be at Wembley Stadium that would sell out those 80,000 tickets would yeah. sell and it's what you do around that yeah. so, and at the same you know England are going to play France that, that mid-season test yeah. is going to be on that weekend at the same time maybe at Wimbledon or something yeah. well, how, however we do it Mm. Well, how about this? Because we're just throwing ideas out that are never going to happen. So we've got the State of Origin at Wembley, but then on the Sunday or whenever at the London Stadium, we've got England versus someone because then mm. he's still in London. But then on the same park, you've got the copper box. So you can have the wheelchair yes. session. You can have and the women's game. Yeah, yeah. Right, I, th- just I think we, we need London. to look at it outside of just who do England play because you know people will get fed up of, of hearing about Vegas. But the thing the thing about that is they're not going there because. They think they're going to crack the American domestic market. They're going there because they think that they can make a huge amount of money. And not on one year, but over maybe five years. Mm. And they're already being linked to a very, very large betting partner. Who, if they bought that on board, would then probably mean perhaps a streaming deal with Fox. And that streaming deal wouldn't be, we'll just show the first two games from Vegas. We'll show all the games in the NRL. Uh, and from that you then say right well how how does the Super League capitalise on that well if they're going back to Vegas then we've said this before we'll play the World Club Challenge as part of that weekend of Rugby League in America and what are the spin-offs then maybe of England playing 
Australia in America it's halfway for both mm. of them so when do we fit that into the schedule and it's not what we do tomorrow it's how do we get a period of games over a seven eight ten year calendar that starts to make money and has broadcasting appeal and commercial appeal and how do, how does northern hemisphere uh, work into that and 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 you know we're talking conceptual stuff at the moment mm. But that's the discussions I think well, we've got to start having. The Rugby Football League must be having those conceptual discussions as well because they said they're looking for opponents for England in, in 2024. But it's hand-to-mouth, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's hand-to-mouth because it, they're, they're now firefighting to, to solve a problem that they didn't, didn't realise they had on their hands for next year. Do we go without England playing next autumn? Well, I think England will have two choices. They either do find somebody that can come over here and it may well be on a similar scale to Tonga. Yeah. So we can forget all talks of 80,000 people <laughs> in the National Stadium. Or we have to go over there. Well, well And if we go over there, then that means we're over there in 24, 25 and 26. Mm. And what does that do to the international, the perception of the international game over here? You will be able to fill some of that gap with World Cup qualifiers. So you will have France, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, Italy maybe, Greece... Um, Serbia perhaps all looking at playing meaningful internationals and you might even want to bring some of those internationals and play them over here where there is a market they're not going to capture the public's imagination they're not going to make money in the short term but if you're talking about an international calendar and it fits it's a piece of a jigsaw that fits into a bigger picture I mean I can remember going and seeing was it Lebanon play Ireland at Dewsbury in in a World Cup qualifier was it um, I Greece played I Serbia in London in I, the World Cup qualifier. I refereed Scotland against Greece in at Scholars in the last few years, so, and they did get crowds. And but because we didn't know when we were doing the next one, or I how counted the crowd at Scholars though on the, for that game. Yeah, but <laughs> we got but we got eight thousand at Workington when Scotland played in. London. Oh yeah, we can yeah, do it. No, it can we, be done. We, we can do it, provided we don't do it like tomorrow. It can be done. Um, was it Norway, Belgium, at Henningley? Before yes. a Leeds game. Because yes. we nearly did it on Radio Yorkshire, but we didn't. Um, Finished 35-34. It was better than the Super League game. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
did they name it the Pacific Cup to purposely exclude England, asked Adam. I think that's a conspiracy too far, I think. It's just it's in the Pacific. Uh, the uh, international game would benefit from England being involved in the tournament to represent the Northern Hemisphere. But it's not about the Northern Hemisphere. It's about <laughs> yeah, the Pacific. They, they don't need us, do they? they? It's about the fact that 45% of the players that play in the NRL are from the Pacific regions. Yeah. And, and the, the other, the, there's, I think, two things there. One is it's a political decision. So that the Australian government see uh, you know PNG in the Pacific as the bridge to China moving forward to, nearer to Australia. That that that's outside the realms of sport, other than it's sport that is the soft diplomacy in all of this. But I think the other thing is that the NRL in particular wants to secure the Pacific, its region, and its players as being rugby league. So their imperative to do that isn't to give England meaningful games. Um, but I can see why they would want to do it. That they could blow rugby union out of the equation if they get this right mm. and that is actually really important and I think they see that the benefit of the international game in the Pacific benefits the NRL mm. 100% uh, David says rugby league is on life support in the UK whilst France has, been, has green shoots despite what's been thrown at it and Oz and by default Pacific region goes from strength to strength UK needs dynamic leadership not accountants Top rugby league teams will be talking to top rugby teams one way or another. I did. There was a blog on the Guardian website which I'm sure some people read because you know you've got to read something and if it's about rugby union you can at least laugh at it. And what the comments were about you know rugby union is, is dying like like we are, but the comments were saying maybe we could entice some of the big clubs across like Bradford Bolts because they haven't paid any attention to the last fifteen years or so. You've written about this. Something's going to happen eventually. I mean, hopefully, it's a long, long time away because people in Leeds don't want to watch rugby union because they've had the chance to do so. But maybe there will be a hybrid one day. I don't know. I, I don't think it will be a hybrid, and I don't think it will be rugby union. The, the piece that I wrote was basically yeah. saying, and it was a purely discussion piece. It wasn't in, in any way linked to prior knowledge of anything. But it, it was that rugby union was facing a an existential crisis down to concur yeah, economics is one thing yeah. and, and both sports have got severe economic problems and they'd be foolish not to be looking at long term how they get out of that but the biggest problem that I think rugby union have got is around the issue of concussion and litigation surrounding concussion and the fact that it would appear to me as an outsider but reading some of the papers that have been written about concussion and rugby union and its incidents in it and if you remember their knee jerk reaction to saying we're suddenly going to have tackles around the midriff and then they have to go back on that a week <laughs> they have got too many players on the pitch so the one thing that full time professionalism has done in both sports as we talked about earlier was it's made athletes and the thing about athletes is that space then becomes a premium, collisions then become uh, more, more impactful if you've got more people on the field because you're not playing space, you're playing bodies mm. so if they had to drop to 13 players aside suddenly the game that we're playing is rugby league now if you want to throw a modification there that you come up with one rule that has a line out so you're not excluding half of the people that currently play it then that's something for legislators to talk about but the piece that I wrote basically said it's not hybrid it's not rugby union it's global rugby league now you might have to change the name of it <laughs> I mean, but I don't mind watching rugby league and I think, again, if you're talking about making the pieces of a jigsaw, you look at this country, geographically it fits, you look at 
certain parts of the world where league is certainly in its preeminence and others where union is, you immediately overnight have a global game, which is of a mass appeal to a broadcaster or, or more than one broadcaster, mm. global broadcasters. Now, how that happens, who gives ground, but yeah, then. Does the Northern Hemisphere have different roles to the Southern Hemisphere? No, but, but then, uh, you know, you're talking about a, a super league, if that's what you want to call it, where. It's Lee Drynos playing Leicester rather than Leicester gonna bringing in Bradford Bulls to play 15 aside. Bring back Wigan versus Bath. Bath, so it's a film. Waste of time. Because uh, it proved that we were very good <laughs> at rugby league and they were better than us at rugby in. That Wigan Sevens was a more interesting. Uh, uh, um, but it did give us Rugby Union's greatest ever try, scored by friend of the programme, Craig Murdoch. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's always positive. But Much better than Gareth Two of our time. teams winning the Wigan Sevens. Uh, winning the Twickenham Sevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of whom was absolutely blind, stinking drunk when they got there because they played a Super League game the night before and got <laughs> drunk on the bus going down. Was the greatest advert for Rugby League. Not the Bath-Wigan game. War of the Roses says, Teddy, men, women, wheelchair, this is an obvious answer. This, uh, Martin Coyne's watching. You... How do we work out a War of the Roses wheelchair game? I don't know. Where do London fit in that? Where, are they Lancashire again? It's uh, it, it's an outdated concept. Well, you've got to ask why things finished. Well, we've, we've, we brought back Yorkshire versus Lancashire. That didn't last too many years, did it? But then last week I said we could bring it in for the women's game because we do need a, that gap. But in the men's game where we say they play too many games, if we're replacing England with a War of the Roses series in the autumn... How many club coaches are going to find niggly injuries for their... How many groin strains are we going to find? The main thing about War of the Roses is is the fans stopped going. If there was any economic value and benefit in it, we'd still be playing it. It is not origin. We might need to to find another concept around an origin... But then you've got to accept that we play less domestic games to fit it in the calendar. If we copied everything Australia did, we'd get rid of the Challenge Cup. Mm. People don't want to get rid of the Challenge Cup, do they? No, we shouldn't get rid of the Challenge Cup. Can't wait for the 1895 Cup starting in January. Mm. We've got to talk about that as well. Will we'll Batley and Jews be playing to the Boxing Day and then again in their group stage? <laughs> yeah, quite, quite probably. Oh, the they still have to play the Summer Bastard this time. So that, that's, that's a positive. And if we didn't, as if we didn't have enough loop fixtures, we now got loop fixtures in League One. <laughs> Robbie's asked to see if there's any news on revamping the Challenge Cup. Not as far as we know. I mean, it, there was when when was the IMG thing? Oh, was it the Super League launch? Wasn't it that the, the season launch months ago? And there was there were ideas floated around, but nothing was ever agreed the, on. The change. fact that they've now moved the Challenge Cup back, the fact that the Super League fixtures are due out, I think within the next week to ten days the fact that the championship and league one were too far down the line to change anything the fact that they wanted to drop magic weekend and loop fixtures and 2024 I think will be the same the challenge cup you can't bring group fixtures in it's, it's but too then it late goes back, you go back to IMG's plan IMG's plan was to get rid of Magic yeah. Weekend it was to get rid of Luke fixtures it was to revamp the Challenge Cup now those are three things that are not happening No, why are they not happening but clubs comes back to the clubs and the, the really interesting game. thing is illustrative gradings because I think that does take us along a road where we are moving to be the sport that we are rather than the sport that perhaps we might think we are and there is no great opposition there are some clubs who have come out and said 
they're not happy with certain bits of it or they think their mark should be slightly higher but I don't for the I, I thought we'd see a groundswell whereby you'd have a certain amount of clubs saying yes we have to do it and they're the ones that benefit from it and a, a large majority of other clubs saying don't really like this don't virtually every club that I've seen even Barrow who put out a fantastic statement saying we voted against the principles but we, we see where this is going and we want to support it I, I think this it's taken them a lot longer than they, they mm. planned to get to where they are that's really significant that's a really significant building block I think maybe the rugby football link could take the, uh, a leaf out of the government's book and bring back Ralph Rimmer and Nigel Wood <laughs> I don't know um, it's like bringing back Malcolm Cliff to coach Leeds <laughs> one for teenagers um, <laughs> yeah that went over my head 1985 you weren't even born. Was Came two. from Australia. I think Coach Leeds for six games and wasn't re-engaged for the following. That, like how, um, that was like Matt Parrish or was it Salford? Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Thank yeah, you. I remember Thank Matt you. Parrish ringing Stuart Cummins up and sort of complaining about the referee and asking why he hadn't gone to the video referee. And Stuart said, um, "Well, the game wasn't on TV, Matt. <laughs> there was no video referee, so that's why there was an in-goal official running up and behind, up and down behind the post." Oh, okay, right, thanks. <laughs> you know, those two fellas, them ones. Um, Anthony Broxton he's written a book he he's asked us some questions very good questions for the panel he says we are a panel now uh, one can we ever gain any national cut through without playing Australia there were people watch the games against Tom didn't they? they watch the, the Wales game they watch the wheelchair game so they, do people watch anything in the same way they did 30 years ago this is the difficult question isn't it because the answer to that is of course no I think part of the problem is how do you get coverage these days? Well, this was the next. Well, we question. just had the World Cup last year, which every <laughs> single game was on the BBC. Yeah. We're talking about we got the coverage. Did we get the cut through? Mm, probably not. But I'm a, I'm a skeptic when it, people sort of say, "Oh, if we win the World Cup, then mm. it's going to be the you know the answer to all our problems, whether that's rugby league or rugby union or whatever sport that may be." I, it, for me, it never is. It's, I, it's I an incremental think effort. Anthony will be the first to acknowledge that the media is completely well, different these completely days, and that. It, when we got 70,000 people when we were playing Australia in a World Cup final at, um, at Wembley Stadium the broadsheet newspapers were there in abundance the Martin of Fire posters had relevance and, and brought more people to the game probably what three, four channels on TV and that the, the landscape of the media yeah. is that, you know the Tonga games did not feature in the broadsheets mm. Does traditional newspaper media still matter, and why aren't the club? Uh, why aren't the sports editors interested in covering club games? I mean, we we are coming off a week where a lot of people are being made redundant from one media group, um, and reading. And I'm sure this is the, the case for others, but the whole Daily Mail are losing their whole FC and whole KR reporters, or correspondents, whatever you want to call them. So they've certainly been put on notice. <sighs> the world is changing yeah. and the problem for newspapers is people don't want to pay for content anymore ah. how, do you, how do you want a magazine for that does that work <laughs> sheer bloody mind <laughs> I think the the other thing about that is that it's a self-perpetuating thing as well that, that newspaper editors will say nobody's interested in rugby league so you won't have rugby league and then the, you don't have rugby league and then the people that love rugby league don't buy the newspapers and then the newspapers say that's because Nobody like it's it, it's where you begin and, and end and break that circle, but it, it has changed. It's why we need to find different ways, and I do think there has been a, a change of emphasis of, um, among a lot of clubs in mm. their, their digital offerings. Um, there was a survey out by Ernst Young, 
uh, which you'll be able to read about in the uh, new issue of um, On Sale Friday. Um, talking about the most participated in sports and who watches those sports, and Rugby League is the ninth most participated in sport. Rugby Union is the fourth most. But in terms of Generation Z, which I think is people from the age of 18 to 24, so that's the new audience that are going to have money to spend um, and watching sport, none of them interested in Rugby Union. I think we were 18th, but we would, you know, we, we had a certain level of appeal. And that's what you've got to capitalise on because that is now how you measured the, the analytics, the metrics, the, the spend power, the... the um, commercial companies that are going to invest in sport will be looking at surveys like that rather than how much column inches you've got in the Daily Telegraph. Um, so yes, it's changed enormously and why you can't really compare the two. Uh, Teddy says, and this goes into Anthony's third point, which we'll come back to in a moment, clubs have to produce their own content, better content, more content. The problem with that is speaking from somebody who's <laughs> vaguely at the coalface for a very short period of time, you need creative people to do that. You need resource to do that. When I worked at a Super League club, I was taking my laptop in to do editing and stuff on. That's not that's not good enough. That's not good enough. But you but need that, people who have the creative brain who can fire out ideas which, you know, I don't have them. I but what I would say is that's people. one of the one of the areas that grading is again really helpful. Because mm -hmm. what it's saying is twenty what twenty five percent of the points sorry, 20% of the points are on field. So a fifth of what you do is on field. And that's important. And you look at the clubs that have been designated grade A and you would think that even though these are illustrative gradings, all of those seven clubs are still going to be grade A at the end of next season. So something dramatic would have happened if we haven't got seven grade. All of those seven clubs have made significant on-field signings. So it's not that they're saying, oh, because we know we're going to be in Super League, We'll only put £2.50 in the players' budget. They know that people have still got to turn up. Other, a lot of the other metrics relate to usage of the stadium, you know, all that kind of thing, com commercial funding. But one of the things it, it also highlights is the need to be out there appealing to a new audience. So clubs are going to have to devote more resource to that. Wakefield, your man, Matt Ellis, it's already, you know, he, he, he's built a business on the digital selling of kitchens. He doesn't have retail showrooms. All of his family fortune is based upon... He, they've built a business that has been sold in a digital age and he's going to put some of that resource into Wayford. It, it, they're going to, clubs are going to have to do it. And, I, and that's a great thing. I, I liked Yacht's content from their kit launch on Saturday. I liked Warrington's video, which was not aimed at me whatsoever, but... There's basketball on there, there's skateboards. There's, I, I don't know if this is what the young people like, but I assume it is because they've done a video with it on. doesn't matter if the kit is terrible or what. It doesn't matter because they've got a slick video that looks good. And that's part of this, isn't it? As long as it looks good. If, if you are doing stuff on a budget, then it is difficult to make things look but good. But I think but IMG have done a lot of work behind the scenes on this di the digital mm. image of the sport. And they've worked with every club and they've given tips and hints as to how the content that they can put out is more relevant. Um, and yes, I'm with you. I think it's really disappointed that some of the structural changes they wanted to get in, they haven't yet. But I do think some of the stuff they've been doing behind the scenes and how it's going to be measured and what it means going forward to the sustainability of clubs 
is starting to have an impact. I think that was one of the frustrations when I worked for the RFL that uh, all the members of staff at the RFL always felt that you were an easy target at the RFL and they are an easy target but what they're not probably good at is telling people what they do you know so why aren't IMG telling people what they're doing with clubs and the work that they're doing with clubs on things like that to try and improve things to try and win over the fans uh, from that point of view I've seen I've seen clubs putting out a lot more stuff on, on social media and getting YouTube channels and stuff like that um, I think it has to be more than just sticking games on from, from this season though yeah. but you know I'm sure they've got a, a plan. Don't forget to unsubscribe from all your rival clubs' YouTubes as well. You don't want them getting any IMG points. Don't be doing that. <laughs> don't be, straight away. Don't subscribe to anyone now. Should the clubs spend to promote individual? Straight away, Anthony, you're saying should clubs spend? I mean, there you go. There's a question. To promote individual stars as they did in the 80s and 90s. Who who are the stars? Who do we promote? Because we we've got. I've mentioned it before. The Super League. We've got a podcast. But occasionally, you know, it's, it's people who are not players on there, who are not playing. Always has to be player focused, or referee focused. Clearly, <laughs> they're the stars. But TikTok, the not TikTok, TikTok, retired. TikTok and um, um, what was the uh, thing? <laughs> programs like uh, what's his name? Castles that went on. Oh, no, Love, no, Love Island, Shaq O'Neill, things like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of thing these days. That, you <laughs> we know. are high court judges. <laughs> that Instagram, right? yeah. The, I mean, I'm on Instagram, and for that, but I'm not on, you know, TikTok, and I, you know, I don't watch Love Island very really well. That probably comes as a shock to most people, but you know, <laughs> the shock is you haven't been asked to be on it. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing that you know will that will cut through. Being on, I'm a celebrity, that will cut through, won't it? And it's trying to get people on I, I we, on those channels, big in those channels. Yeah, and we also have to take the shackles off the players. So whereas media yeah. media managers will want nothing too controversial to be said and you know we we need to be able to say to Catalan media want to make something out of Tom Johnson he's had a great international series his redemption story of leaving Wakefield thinking his career was was in tatters going to the south of France being reinvigorated by the the atmosphere around there five years after he last played that's a great story but what we don't want him to do is just say the things that we expect him to say we, we need to build him up as a person I don't think you need to pay for that I just think the game needs to say we've got some personalities Sam Tompkins will be really interesting now he's retired will he become effectively the, the face and the voice of the sport and would that be a bad thing if he did I think he'd be brilliant well this guy wanted to be, him to be years ago didn't they they started well, promoting that here's a, here's a terrible idea someone can steal rugby league players they're all full of tattoos aren't they I mean some of them are dreadful <laughs> Well, let's have a series where they explain what these tattoos mean. Why have they got them? That might appeal to someone. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. I don't think they're content creator. No, no. But yeah. Uh, what needs changing? Mark asked rhetorically because I asked it. Uh, maybe our expectations. Perhaps it's okay to be a big, small sport in the places that like it already, or at least not confuse being exactly that with being a dying sport. We're not dying, are we? we no, I think that goes well, back to we don't, we've lost our identity because we knew what we were and where and where we were located and um, who we, who in terms of industry and um, infrastructure we were linked to, and and through no fault of our own as a sport, they've been broken. You know, there aren't as many schools, there aren't working men's clubs, there aren't pubs that always used to have sides. You know, it has changed. We have to decide how relevant we are in the modern social environment and the fabric and the networks that we... We still do great work in community, but does that mean that it's going to be an elite Super League area? 
So we have to have those honest discussions and we shy away from them too often about mm. what we need to be and, and, and what would make it. If, if we are a small, if, we, if we're a big minority sport, then we can't expect to get money out of Sky. We can't expect to get coverage in newspapers. We can't expect to be anything other than maybe a part-time sport. We can survive, but then we'll never be Australia. We'll, nev we'll never be included in a series whereby... Uh, we're, we're going to win a World Cup. We, we might get to a quarter final at best, and if we accept that though we want those to be our limitations, then that's fine. But I, I think we can. I've always thought we can be bigger and, and better and more dominant than that. And I think, unfortunately, because sport is now business, whether we like it or not, we have to make some business decisions mm. rather than it's it's great being strong in the areas where traditionally we have been. But if we're brutally honest and scratch below the surface less people are playing in those areas than they've ever played before and if you've got a finite pot of money then you have to you can't just continue spreading it thinly yeah. you have to cut your cloth, like cloth but you also have to have you? a strategy of how you expand your business with a smaller pot of money mm. business um, segue Phil do you know of any spare stadiums Asking for my fellow Salford fans. This was the other one of the other stories from last week, and I guess this comes into the future of everything. Um, and we'll go back to more of your answers on those questions in a moment. Um, what do we do with Salford? Because I'm not sure what this is the problem with, and it's the example I use time and time again. If Derek Bowman had been from Hunslet, they'd now be in Lee's position. As we've seen with Salford in the past, false messiahs don't always work out despite what people may want you to believe and perhaps some of their issues now I'm not saying all of them were caused by that person but I think when you don't necessarily keep up agreements with the people who own your stadium that might be a problem in the future I think it goes back further than Marwan Kukash it goes back to the decision to, to leave the Willows a ground that they owned as far as I'm aware uh, and they ultimately do not own a ground. They are they are tenants in that stadium, and it's a, it's a ground that was uh, built through a joint venture between the council, local, local council, and Peel Holdings. Um, and they set up a stadium company, and that stadium company operates the stadium. And they they are just one of one of a number of tenants in that stadium, alongside Sale, alongside a private gym, alongside Swinton that uses as a training base. Lots of other things. They've made an office out of a stadium uh, underneath the stadium. I think I was reading a, a council report yesterday. Um, and unfortunately, that's that's what happens. I mean, Wigan have seen that themselves, haven't they? You know, they had Central Park. They sold that, and they they, they became tenants effectively in a football stadium. And 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 Hull have the same issues at, at their stadium. They don't, they don't own it. Huddersfield the same. So, I think it's it's. it's it's a longer term decision or the ramification of a longer term yeah. decision I think it's perhaps a little bit unfair on Salford City Council they're, they're being criticised unfortunately whether you like it or not having worked at a local authority having worked at Leeds City Council decision making does not happen quickly and, and, and councils are strapped for cash uh, and they have to be spending their money wisely in accordance with the public purse and, and public interest public so if, interest if you've well, got 5,000 fans that are passionate about Salford there might be 10,000 fans that like flower arranging as a council you've got to balance you know, whatever it is you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It, it, we're passionate about rugby league we think it should be treated as a priority but, but a council has to look at care services or 
Yeah. Waste Libraries. disposal. Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got some local authorities at the moment yeah. that are serving notice, notices to say they've effectively gone bankrupt, as you know, we've seen with Birmingham City Council, that local authorities are strapped for cash. So it's, it's unreasonable to assume that a local authority is going to continue pumping money into a stadium company that, as far as I understand, uh, that company it's owned owed £34 million. Peel and Salford City Council have pumped in £34 million in loans to the stadium company. So the stadium company is not making money. So are Salford paying enough rent? Probably not. There's probably other sources of income that can supplement that. And I get that it's part of a wider regeneration area around that stadium and there's land there that could be sold to repay those debts and those are some of the reasons why that money has been loaned into that stadium company that the council will get that money back in the long term but there's obviously political issues going on there as well because I believe the conservatives are opposing some of what's been planned as ever it's never it's never straightforward is it it's not somebody's picking on rugby league or picking on Salford as a club I think the, the other thing is you can look at comparable clubs in rugby league and then you can look at Salford's individual case so Barrow have put out an appeal saying we're doing everything we can do on field we, we are as close and linked to our communities we've been for a very long time but we haven't got a stadium so rather than go to the local council they're now going to British Aerospace and saying you're regenerating the town it looks like we're going to be you know quite a a wealthy but there is government money out there yeah you know I mean Keithley have tapped into the town's fund that Keithley benefited from Wakefield the three the, 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 they've given two million pounds yeah. to each of the Wake, three yeah. Wakefield clubs there is government money out there um, but I also think that you know Salford are going through what Bradford are going through at the moment that you know a development company owns Odsall and until there is a way of resolving the issue of how best that works for everybody then Bradford won't probably that, that one missing key to get into Super League will be where they play Bradford's situation is slightly different the freehold is owned by the council yeah, well it's a development company subject, isn't it? no it's owned so, by the council freehold but subject to a long lease to the RFL so the RFL have the long lease from the council which is up for sale which is up for sale um, but again Bradford are only at one tenant in a stadium that's run by the RFL which you know was a, a complete conflict of interest when they acquired it <laughs> and now <laughs> just happens to be Bradford Bulls just happen to be a, a run by the former CEO of, of of the RFL so you know it's, it's in How Bradford uh, yeah it's in Bradford Bulls interest in my opinion to acquire the leasehold interest in that stadium they would then, if they can't do that, the council then should reacquire the lease from the RFL, and then the council have full control the of that stadium. But again, why would oh, the council? Why would yeah. the council? They wouldn't probably have to spend that much money to acquire the long leasehold interest from the RFL, but then they acquire all the maintenance yeah. uh, responsibilities and liabilities that come with running that stadium. And as most people will probably know, that's that's a huge sum of money. Dare I say some some of these state, some of these com- uh, organisations need development advice, and and that's what I do for what, a living. Do you know anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our new offshoot podcast. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I would say about Salford is it's about investment in the club. So whilst people like Paul King have mortgaged their house and can't do any more, what they need is outside investors, and I, yeah. and I would equate that with what Hull KR did. You know, Neil Hodgill did a fantastic job to keep Hull KR going. But what they got were more investors coming in to help him, bought the lease back of the ground. They now own Craven mm-hmm. Park. They own the land around Craven Park. It's got a, a, an asset value. Absolutely. And they also have the ability to put on things like Craven Street. The club is moving forward 
off the field, matching on the field. But it's only external finance that has come in and done that. What Salford need are people who can come in and help fund the club and take them to a different venue, and, and whether Extric- you're... extricate them from yeah. the lease there, and say, well, maybe there is another venue within the Salford catchment area that we can either develop or 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 buy land around or mm. become a part of but be a be a partner in it rather than merely a tenant in it yeah. and it's not what Salford can do it's whether Salford can get investors to help them do it and, and Phil mentions here over the past 10 years we've only averaged 3,783 fans nice round number for you and, and this is yeah, yeah, the numbers how, are in the report comparing sale well they're not comparing but they, they, they do state the total number of fa- uh, spectators that have gone through the turnstile in, in the 12 months and, and it's way below set what sale achieve how, how many times did Michael Carter say Wakefield could spend the full salary cap if they had 6,000 people coming through the turnstiles and mm-hmm. they never got an average of 6,000 people coming through the turnstiles hence they didn't spend the salary cap and ergo got relegated how do you find Maybe but, people but again, are interested, the, I don't know. The thing that I do think about illustrative grading is that all of these issues that have been... We've known that they've been there, but they've never affected the ability of, of somebody to go out like a Dr Kukash to try and build a team solely and not address the other issues underneath so that the, the foundations tend then to be built on sand. The governing body has been able to say, well, we're not micromanaging clubs. Now we're saying those are the criteria by which you will be judged and if you don't hit enough of those and that includes your stadium and your uh, who who finances your club you won't be in Super League who do we blame for Dr Kukash getting involved at Salford Gavin says I am an outsider bracket Scottish you're not an outsider Gavin welcome welcome, welcome. Uh, the talk of Ireland and uh, so forth is irrelevant Ireland and Scotland do not meet really meet criteria you're only rebadging England players for an England English audience well I mean, tell some more shit yeah but the same yeah, now the Scotland rugby union team aren't they full of South Africans at the moment that, isn't that just the nature of international sport but that her- her- heritage yeah. is absolutely vital we've seen that in the rugby and world cup recently though. Yeah. I don't know what the captain remember what the stats were about certain teams and whether they were born in that country or not it, I mean, these days it's almost irrelevant <laughs> we, we interviewed Luke Keary didn't we when he came over for the, for the World Cup to play for Ireland um, and he was talking about the ability to go over there and find the, the you know the roots the ancestral roots of his family and I don't think anybody was prouder to pull on an Ireland shirt than he was now Luke Keary is not going to be picked for Australia in the foreseeable future though he's had a great season with, with the Roosters um, I think if we had a meaningful international calendar and um, that included Ireland playing England in Dublin or Belfast uh, I think we would find a way to get the Luke Keary's over here to, to I, mean, I, I, I think it probably cost him money to play in that World Cup mm. but he wanted to and when oh, Scotland played as part of the Four Nations in I've forgotten which year it was now the one where we went to Coventry 2016 Possibly, yeah. We went up to Workington and they they did they draw draw with oh, New yeah. Zealand. Zealand and it was and too it, wet. Yeah, I was on I was on the line. Because it never rains in New was, Zealand. God, it was freezing. But they made it. They made that Workington sort of their home, didn't they? And then they were you know they were successful in that tournament. Yeah. So it can you know it, it can happen. But R- Richie, there had a number of Australians playing in there. Richie Myler was passionate about playing for Ireland, and you would have thought when you sat down and, and looked at eligibility. That you know, it was tenuous, but it wasn't. It really meant something mm. to him. And if if you know, he is still towards the top of his game. I know he's he's just signed to play in the championship. And Ireland had played an international 
this autumn and he could have played in that in the knowledge that the players that were around him were of a standard to at least put up a competitive game against England we can't keep throwing the baby out with the bathwater and it's not about England stockpiling if England can't find another centre <laughs> than Toby King because he's playing for Ireland then there's something wrong in England mm. but we could have found another centre we don't well because we've done an hour and we still haven't solved anything yet so that's, that's good. <laughs> but, I, but I don't think we're ever going to find any answers we've failed the exam um, Eric says how about a Ryder Cup style Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere what, golf have a golf tournament <laughs> I mean could do anything played in the Algarve uh, yeah. coming soon to old pictures from programmes uh, Andrew Ettinghausen in some kind of sprint competition bring back sprint competitions and goal kicking I want to see Tara Jane Stanley versus whoever Reese Martin Reese Martin I want to see that um is he still the most capped Papua New Guinea? Or is he is in Papua New Guinea, Guinea, but I'm not sure um, the International Record Keepers Club have recognised that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I don't know what we do next autumn, but we're going to have to do something. But if we don't have the men, do we do we put the focus on the women and the wheelchair teams? Because we can we can have a three match series against France in both if we want to, or a tri series between. England, France or Wales in whatever and it's not going to make enough money for the RFL unfortunately and that is what it's about that's right back to the very about. first point that we made when we started uh, it is a sport that has never quite had enough money to do what it wants as, as you rightly point out there was a period of time when it had enough money but it didn't know what it wanted to do <laughs> with it and, and within a short space of time compared to the 130 odd years it's been in existence it wasted that money yeah. Yeah. didn't build any legacy on the back of it what are we doing with League One? That's a question we've asked in the last well, got ten years of this program. The good story about that is Newcastle about. Yes, I agree. It is a good story. It is. It's just. But Cornwall not in the eighteen ninety five cup because no well, one wants to go to Cornwall again. I, Allegedly, that, that tells you more about who we are and why we've never quite achieved our potential than anything else. Cornwall are a member of the uh, of the RFL. They are entitled to play in that competition. They want to play in that competition. They've been asked not to play in that competition because other clubs don't want to travel there. <laughs> well, we're always going to be what we are then, aren't we? But somebody needed to say, I'm sorry, they're in it. Race to the bottom. And we still have, obviously, we... Which makes it feel like this has to be a stopgap for, 20, for, ne- for <laughs> yeah, next year for 24. Is, and there has is. to be a bigger yeah. restructure for 25. And it's almost like, let's just get through 24 to get to 25. But and I'm again, still not quite sure what 20, 25 looks like. But, but we, we had the idea that League One was going to include clubs like Hemel Hempstead and Gloucester and Oxford. and But we didn't, Coventry and London Scholars, we didn't come up with a, how we were going to achieve that. And what the... Levels were going to be that they were they were going to play at where their players were going to come from whether it was going to be promotion relegation you know was it going to be League One North and League One South and would there be um, equal competition that was a debate we could have had in about 2015 2016 mm-hmm. we bought clubs in with no strategy or plan as to how that would pan out so we end up with isolated pins in maps rather than the development or an ex- the development and expansion strategy that we need is possible but not the way that we do it so we go Cornwall you can't be in it Toulouse you can't be but in it how many times have we done supplies it's like what? England played New Zealand in Blooming 
There was it Denver. I mean, when you think of it now, it's just off off the scale in terms of you know. But then was, you try again, and to explain to people why we had Toronto in, but, in its competition. But it was a one-off game, wasn't it? What what was the plan to play in Denver? Money. It so, all comes back to money. That somebody <laughs> that never, that never supposedly if it was putting up money to hold a fixture. But what what, but what you can't what, have what's one the plan? Fixture in the way that you can't. Toronto, in many respects, ticks so many boxes. If they'd been illustrative grading for Toronto, they, they wouldn't have been far off a grade A mm. with everything that they were I, doing. I, no, I agree. But they were never going to work with one club in a continent. How many points are you getting knocked what off? What was the plan? And, it, and it's built on sand, isn't it? Because, you know, if that person then pulls out, you, you're. But, you, it, but it's like Toulouse and Toronto have to pay all the expenses for everybody that plays them. When did that become an equitable system? It's not only that we're not going to give them dispensation, we're actually going to penalise them for being in our competition. Like, yeah, we don't have what? them in the competition in the first place, I well, Or have them in with the with the point of saying they come in at this point and in five years' time this is what we look like and that's why they're in and this is what they bring to it and by then maybe we'll have Ottawa as well and we might have New York. and we, well, they'll... We've got Ottawa, they're just playing Carwell. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's Hamill. Yeah, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's always like it's hand to mouth. It's yeah. not a strategy. And, and again, the sport chops and changes, doesn't it? It sort of introduces the exiles. So people have been talking about exiles this yeah. week again. Yeah. But we've been there, done it, <laughs> it and, work. and it doesn't work. We've done Yorkshire, Lancashire, that, and that's been brought back. That doesn't work. So we chop and change things all the time. How many different formats of the World Cup have we had? And we're changing yet again. We've had three World Cups that were supposedly successful. And now we're going back to single World Cups, and and they're saying in their press release that that's successful because they've gotten so many expressions of interest. Twenty two. That to me doesn't necessarily demonstrate that that's success because I could put an expression of interest that I could play in my back garden. You know, count. Yeah. And the thing about that as well is that at some point you've got to decide where you want to be rather than just get expressed. Because if there are, for example, expressions of interest in. Middle Eastern regions, but there is no domestic rugby league underpinning it. Why would you take it? Then? Money, which is why <laughs> most, <laughs> most and but, it's a broken record, to, isn't it? But most sports are now heading to the Saudi, but, aren't they, because of money? But you don't want to be putting your World Cup there with not a single person in the stadium and nobody playing the game when they've gone. You yeah, you also have to take a balance about you know is is it better to be location A where we don't get as much money but we get a, a benefit for the sport, or location B where we fill our bank account but get nothing on the back of it. Do West Wales still have a membership of the Rugby Football League? And if so, can we buy it? Can we buy, can we, can we buy a share? Can, can then, we have a vote? And then put in an expression of interest yeah. to host the World Cup. I'm going to move the West Wales to Selby. You know, have the Selby Stallions. I don't know what we're going to call the women's team yet. We'd take them but, to uh, Pyongyang, wouldn't we? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah but and you then can't you get put, there. Then you could put Selby an expression Christ. of interest yeah, to the World Cup. Play Selby to North Korea stage rugby league World Cup. Phil says it feels like we've been having this conversation for twenty years or more. Must be more than more. twenty years. More. It's it's so it's, it's only been just over an hour, hasn't it? It feels we like have, twenty we've years. We've been having this conversation <laughs> since eighteen ninety five. Yeah. And oh. you and you look at some of the clubs that even came into the Northern Union, and we still haven't had a pre- you know South Shields were in the Northern Union. Wales had five clubs. Plymouth were in the Northern Union, Coventry. It's not that we haven't done it; we just haven't done it very well. Mm. Kenton Victor, Chris says, "Up the trin, up the trin, up the up the pies as well." Come on, Wigan, send us all your best players. <laughs> uh, are the RFL eligible to play the Euro Millions? Uh, a fundamental issue with rugby league is no one knows about it. Expansion isn't a panacea to suddenly fixing the sport. Promote it. That's big words there. 
Uh, West Pyongyang Raider says uh, Teddy. Yeah, good. good, good the, the thing that we've said before is that if you if you are your sport was a forest when it first was established, and you've had dry rot in some of those trees, and you need to plant new roots in a field next door, you have to do it. Because otherwise, your whole forest will be infected. No, I'd be placing Wakefield with feathers if they'd have won the championship. Yeah, I was intrigued where you were going there because the whole of the UK was covered in trees at one point. And, and, and yeah, and, and, and I think it was a reading today on the BBC News app that is it in Kenya where everybody's having a public holiday to plant trees? So maybe that's what we need to do. We need to plant rubber league clubs. Where, where do you plant them? <laughs> we need a public holiday Gold. to plant a rubber one, league club. One thing we, we've said is that there hasn't been enough money, there hasn't been enough time either. Not in terms of the amount of time that Rugby League has been in existence, but the amount of time to generate interest in areas. Or we, we move too quickly. You know, we had a World Cup in 2013 in Bristol. We've got 8,000 people. Said, <laughs> exactly. This is brilliant. It's on a Wednesday night. It's raining. It's the worst two ranked teams in the tournament. Loads of people have turned up. Don't care how many tickets were given away. It was a great event. What did we do on the back of it? It's the same. I agree. It's, it's another Denver. It's another Middlesbrough. You know, take a game to Middlesbrough. When's the next game in Middlesbrough that you've you know you've mm. targeted? And you know, we talk about hosting these games and these three venues that we've just had. Why didn't we have towns and cities bidding again to host those to those three games or a game out of, out of the series? I mean, that's what should be happening next year. We shouldn't just be taking it to Wigan and taking it to Hull and then somewhere else. Whenever you make a decision, it has to be strategic. I think just put a set of six out which is interesting so I'll have to read that later because I can't read it and do a podcast at the same time uh, Ian Bolter has compared you to Eric Cantona with your uh, philosophical trees thing ok well I'll take that as a compliment go, don't go kung fu kicking anyone in, in the stands do thank that. you Ian and um, for your contribution to our magazine which is excellent in this current one the, the new one the, the, new, the one. new one coming out I say second. current because it went to print last night so well, to I, me it's current I, I've been peppering uh, Phil with images of, of Harris this, this weekend haven't I so, you have uh, yeah, so we've, we've just started potty training with Harris and 4020 <laughs> magazine yeah, yeah 4020 40 magazine 20 has come in perfect for that <laughs> he enjoys <laughs> reading 4020 on the attention. potty <laughs> well I read mine on mine no. <laughs> the future the, the new demographic um, yeah. speaking of young people Abigail of course who uh, long time listener of the programme I think the program's been going longer than she's been alive, but still. Ikram Butt was at their presentation this week. Was that Limehouse uh, Lions, yeah. I met Abigail at the um, book signing for Kevin oh, yes. and Rob Burrow last Saturday. What a, a lovely, oh, lovely God. young lady oh. she is. Can someone have a word with him? Because he's doing Who? another thing in his infield. He's doing yeah. another running thing. Why does he keep doing these things? Just to make you feel inadequate. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> the BBC, BBC Breakfast run out of things now, because Captain Tom's not around. They have to get Kevin Sinfield to do everything now. Not building a spa, is he, somewhere? Uh, but Abigail says, uh, what's good about Rugby League is it's fun and the best game to watch and play, and all the players are dead nice to their fans. I mean, some of them are. You see, that we sometimes lose that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree, yeah. But the, the 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 players are usually so good with the fans, uh, and and the ability to get so close to them is 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 not always possible in other sports. What needs changing is more money to lower league clubs and get rid of fun police stewards. What the fun? I'm, I'm the fun police. More money to lower league clubs. Where do we get it from? Where? Yeah, but where, where's the TV deal for the championship and League One and the 1895 Cup? If someone from the RFL comes on this program next week, which they might do or they might not. 
I, I think <laughs> they haven't confirmed yet. They said they were going to confirm, and I don't like bugging them. Um, I think we should ambush them and say, "Can we do the 1895 Cup draw on the program?" Because then they, they've got to give us an answer. Because, like in Did, the past, didn't we, we want to do a draw once and we weren't allowed? Yeah, it was the League One Cup, as was right. Might be was it the iPro Cup, the one that they played at the mm. Summer Bash? Yeah, it, it wasn't allowed to be on Radio Yorkshire, but it was allowed to be on Radio Leeds. But so I'm not that bitter or anything. You've never held that against them. No, no. I mean, I've detuned my radio. Can't get Radio Leeds on my DAB radio. Can't get Heat Mallorca. Though. I don't know how that's worked. Um, is there anything else? Have, have, we, have we discussed everything that's happened in the last week without any rugby league whatsoever? I did yeah. see a game of rugby league, but it was a was it good? Thirteen. It was all right. Burgers were cheap at Upton, so well done Upton. Cheap burgers, well done. Uh, much much nicer than the ones at Wakefield last year. Look forward to watching the eighteen ninety five Cup Wakefield versus not Cornwall in the Dave Trafita Mega Grandstand. Looking forward to it. You'll be playing Featherstone, won't you? In the Darrell Powell Derby and uh, at the Danny Kermond Derby mm. and everyone else who's come back. There's some interesting. Um, signings no appointments mm. on staff you know Francis Cummins mm. at Hull Danny Ward mm. at Hull KR yeah. Danny Kerman at Wakefield it's been interesting it's good for Danny's Danny World Ward, Danny, Danny Maguire Danny, Danny, Danny Kerman yeah. where's all these Danny come? where's Danny Brough on that bombshell is that, <laughs> that, that is it that, that, we were never going to solve the world. No, but hopefully we've created some debating points. an hour and fifty. I mean, minutes. one thing we haven't mentioned, which we've mentioned on many other podcasts before, is about the governance of the sport. I don't know whether the governance has ever wow. been different how it is, but you know, for me, you have to give you have to give an organisation more power as opposed to lots of organisations with elements of power. I don't think there are too many boards that have thirty-five constituent parts mm. in them that make decisions. Mm. And I know they don't have the same voting rights amongst them, but that's a lot of opinion to take on board if you're ever going to move forward. And we have now got a board of six for Rugby League Commercial. You would think that the power would be ceded to them to make these kind of decisions. And representatives to that board would be from the various stratas yeah. of the game rather than it be a decision-making process. How easy it is to change that? Maybe we could have somebody from the RFL who's involved in fingers, governance. Fingers crossed. Um, Wales are off to the USA, so give them all your money so they can go play there. Will Julie Boyd Ward, our mate, she's, yeah, she, she's in the squad. So I hope they get the finance to go. So that's good. They've got the uh, what did it say on the press release? They've got the tickets and the visas and everything. So you know, just on, on that, um, clearly, USA wheelchair have pulled out of playing Australian Wheelaroos in Vegas, which is going to be part of this celebration. That should immediately be if we can do it a three-match Ashes series between England and Australia in Vegas with coaching of Americans so that they can spread. Mm. This, this I, t- I did tell Martin that, so if he's watching, he's watching. It, it won't have come as new, news to him. Though. Wales versus USA is part of... Uh, craft beer. The Beers of America Craft Beer and Adaptive Sports Festival yep. in conjunction with Visit Myrtle Beach Tourism. So, uh, and allowed to drink and, and wheel. I thought you were going to say something else. Then. <laughs> is it a stimulant? Is it on the wider band list? Well, you, you've seen enough Leeds teams in the past, Phil, in the 80s. Like, <laughs> Boxing Day. <laughs> the smell of rum from the scrum. And there was something else I was going to mention about 
So, oh, England France is in two weeks, isn't it? Now it's, it's getting closer. It's getting yeah. closer. So yeah. we're looking forward. Waiting to for the uh, streaming details of that. So it's there's some positivity, and uh, to close things up because casting is, is it, it, this is perfect. Rugby league needs a forward strategy and decent marketing. Maybe call it framing the future. Never catch on. End of podcast. Thank you. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.